Welcome back to the Lehigh Valley Arts Podcast, where we will explore the local arts culture and community in the Lehigh Valley. We'll be doing this through conversations with individual artists, administrators, and organizations. We'll discuss all types of mediums with the goal of enriching local arts culture. Today, Elise will be talking with Daniel Pashas and Alex Luquette. Daniel Pashas was born and raised in Coopersburg and went away to college. He studied English literature and writing at Temple University and Temple's Rome campus. While there, he immersed himself in film culture, stop-motion animation, and self-portrait photography. He spent time in New Mexico at the Santa Fe Photography Workshops and as a resident artist at Millersville University. Afterward, he ended up in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania as part of the Wired Artist Co-op. A little while after, he left Bethlehem and the Lehigh Valley art scene to pursue farm work which is around the same time he completed his first short film, which went on to be shown at Lehigh University as part of their Visions lecture series. When working on his art, Daniel Pashas goes by the name Poss House. Alex Luquette is a bass player that's lived in Bethlehem since 2011. He's performed locally and nationally with a wide variety of musicians, including Dominic Angelella, Cold Fronts, John Morgan Kimmock, and William H. Travis. Alex releases his own albums under the band name Sailclaw, focusing the music on his upright bass. He has also done sound design and composition for film and video games. Alex and Daniel started collaborating a few years ago on an ongoing series of short films using each other's films and music as inspiration. They share a love of nature and an organic approach to art making, giving the pieces of unified aesthetic where the audio and video play equal parts. Currently, Alex and Daniel are compiling the films along with live scoring and music performance, spoken word, still photography, and much more into a performance entitled The Forest Primeval. Dan, Alex, welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. I'm really excited to talk to you both. I appreciate, Dan, you reaching out and uh, asking to talk about, well, just kind of share about your project, but it's cool now that we get to kind of have this uh, inside look at you as an artist and um your work with alex so i applaud you for (laughs) for reaching out thank you so much no that's great thank you very good well i thought i'd get started uh since you both know each other much better than i know both of you but just how did you meet and how did you end up working together i'm pretty sure the first time i met dan was maybe at wired or was it when you did some band photos for a band i was in a long time ago But that was around the secret art space sort of era. We had a lot of common friends. Yeah. That I think you were Moravian. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah I think there was Moravian. a number of Moravian. Yeah. Um, like the uh, like Mike Lorenz. Yeah. Uh, the guitarist. Yes. Et cetera, et cetera. Um, multi-hyphenate mm-hmm. Mike Lorenz. And uh, I think because then there's the way I just remember you dancing really well at uh john and jen's wedding oh yeah and then then i think it just the friendship and and respect <laughs> from there um because then and then and i think because of the dancing that, because of the dancing yeah because i think soon after that we were at music fest together great white caps mm-hmm. playing surf rock mayhem and everybody was sitting down and it it was baffling to me because this is the <laughs> most danceable music that your 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 legs can't you know help but start shaking and things and and so i just i ran down to the front 
on my own out there. Um, Natalie wouldn't even go with me. And, and the only other person that spotted me and came down was Alex Luquette. And it's just, it's like, we're good. This is great. And then, and then the rest of the you know, people caught on. Yeah. Like, yeah. But it, wow. I mean, yeah. I think that that left an impression. Yeah, <laughs> clearly. I'm remembering it now as you're saying it. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. And I mean, he does, he's, he's a decent musician <laughs> and other stuff too, but you know, but the dancing was good. <laughs> That's like artist partnership Hallmark movie level <laughs> connection. <laughs> Our eyes met across uh, empty dance floor. It's yeah. like the Lehigh Valley love story. Our yeah. eyes met across the music fest and we, <laughs> we danced the night away. <laughs> there's probably no one else in the world who would have cited my dancing. As no, I, <laughs> <laughs> we started hanging out. That's yeah. incredible. Well, and I think, and then the other... Um, Blind, with Blind Willow mm -hmm. and Kyle Page. Kyle Page. Yeah. Who is still somewhere doing music. Yeah, yeah he's teaching. Yeah. He owned I, a bookshop in Emmaus. Yeah. yeah. And that was that was actually where my first film, uh, Catavasis, was basically made not specifically for that, but that was the premiere location because it was such a literary piece that it was like yeah we need to have it in a bookshop it's great and alex used to also play with kyle yeah yeah we had a band with mike lorenzo um called stray birds mm -hmm. i think the name was yeah that was a while ago too yeah. <laughs> maybe daniel i'll start with you but um as an artist or as a creative, how would you identify? I know we've said like filmmaker, photographer, but I'd like to hear it from you. <laughs> My intention was always to make film is difficult to do on your own. Uh, so a lot of the earlier work was photography and writing and a uh, some of the sculptural work as well. But most of it, because it was just a lot easier to do stuff on my own and I could do uh, everything that had to be done versus the filmmaking took a while to get into to figure out how to do it in, in a self-portrait fashion, but also then uh, connecting uh, with people like Alex that I could actually have somebody else do all of the audio and not just completely think of it as a visual medium and then just hand it over to him um, or take one of his pieces and make some visuals for it. So I think the, the filmmaking, because I, I mean, I've always from high school, college on have been uh, a film nerd and wanted to make something, but it, it is such a large production scale compared to most art forms that it just took a very long time to figure out how to do that. I always try to kind of pull out of people like, what do you, it sounds cheesy to be like, how did you decide you wanted to get into art? But like, I feel like a lot of people have that very particular moment or feeling or like time period that they can kind of pull back to like an art teacher or something you saw that made you kind of think like, ah, oh, this might be something I could be interested in or might be something I want to pursue. There have been a number of those kind of moments along the years. I I actually have uh, my my dad used to have a really great 
stereo system uh, in, in our basement when we were growing up that he used to record. He had a, a few really good microphones for some reason, and he used to record my brothers and I just interviewing us kind of thing. I mean, the, the early, early podcast. Um, and I digitized them, the audio tapes, I digitized them a f probably 20 years ago now. But when I did so, I found one where he asked me what I wanted to be when I grew up. And I said, I either want to work in the Lego factory or I wanted to be an artist. And I, I, I don't remember that specific interview. Um, but I think that was, you know, when I was five or six years old. But the, the big thing for me was in college that I, I went to Temple mainly because they have a Rome campus. And I found out in the <laughs> the initial interview that if I got in and I had a scholarship, that my scholarship would cover the Rome campus as well. And it actually is cheaper tuition there. So they ended up like paying me to go that I'm like, this is, this is, I'm in, I'm totally. And so I like, I just had to get, cause jun junior year you're allowed to go. And so it was like, all right, I just got to get the, through the first two years and then I can go to Rome for a year. And it was mainly while over there that I got into the, the self-portrait photography, the darkroom work. Um, and I had that moment where and that I mean that's also where I got into the the stop motion and watching a lot of uh, they have amazing Italian film collection at the library of the school and I became friends with the librarian so she would like recommend all these obscure Italian directors and it was fantastic but I had this sort of clear cut vision of where I wanted to go at that point and. It was being able to be self-sustaining, somewhere remote, <laughs> being able to take care of myself and be able to feed myself and just keep doing this, whatever I need to figure out so I can just keep doing this because this is, this is good. This was therapeutic. This was a uh, fulfilling activity. And if I can just keep doing the photography and I should probably know how to feed myself. And that was like most of my twenties was pursuing the art side of it. And then most of my thirties was like, all right, I, I do need to feed myself. So it kind of switched gears, but I think it it's, that's the direction that I've always since that point wanted to head. Well, I'd like to come back and talk a little bit more about um, some of your earlier projects, but um, Alex, I wanted to make sure we get your side of, of this and yeah. kind of how you ended up playing music and what really brought you to it. I, Went to an elementary school that was very musical, but it, it, I was like playing recorder. And uh, when I got to high school, there there wasn't as much of a music program. Um, but I I kind of at some point got interested in in the bass, and I wanted to play bass guitar. And there was a history teacher who was really kind of supportive. Right, heard some music that I had recorded you know, when I discovered that iMovie could do two tracks of audio, right? And like, just started 
you know, layering sounds in that. And uh, I made some music for a, a film somebody made in the high school, actually, right? And this teacher sort of latched onto that and encouraged me and helped me put a band together, right? Um, but it was just sort of a thing that I like to do on my own. But I, I remember coming across an album by the band Low called Drums and Guns. And I got really attached to it. And I found they were putting out all these music videos they made on their own. And that was sort of the moment where I was like, oh, you can do this forever. Like, <laughs> you can just make music, right? And, you know, sort of decided to go to school for music at that point. I went to Moravian and have just set up my life to be able to keep playing in bands for however many years, right? Um, and it's, uh, I've played in a lot of different bands and made a lot of music and feel really lucky to continue doing that in, in the way that I am. Something that comes up a lot in our show is uh, this idea of like, you're a self-taught artist, whatever format that might take, or um, you have like this very formal education and how that might impact the work that you're doing right now. Um, and it's interesting because a lot of what happens is we'll have um, filmmakers or photographers that are really like heavily formally educated as opposed to self-taught and musicians who are self-taught. And this is kind of like an, <laughs> an opposite scenario. And I'm like really curious to kind of dig more into the work and how you guys work together on that. But I'm curious, like how you feel you've, t you talked a little bit about how like your schooling and education impacted the work that, um, you got kind of invested in, but is there something both of you like early on that you were working on that was either like influenced by what you were working on in school or whatever? Uh, or do you think there's something like outside of that, that you were inspired by? I learned a lot about playing with other people in school. Right. And um, something I, I really value in making music is like not just doing it on my own, but being with other people and, you know, trying, trying to be like the worst person in the room kind of, right? Like that's, that's kind of the goal for me in a lot of ways. And, uh, you know, being in a school for music, there's a lot of people to play with and there's like, I feel like there's just sort of this etiquette you start to learn with just interacting with people in a, in a positive way. Um, and in that, I think, is the biggest effect it had on making music for me. Because I'm not necessarily playing like I learned to in school anymore, right? The pro I was playing a lot of jazz and in the orchestra, and I, I don't necessarily do a lot of that anymore. But that wasn't really the takeaway for me, I think. I think I probably would have been able to get a lot further with filmmaking a long time ago, if I had actually just taken that, like the, the, the working with other people idea, because I, I started Temple the first semester, I only, only one semester, but the first semester as a film major. And I was like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this thing. And it was at the time, it was like the second best film school on the East coast. And I was like, this is, this is fantastic. Um, and it took one, not even the full semester of being around filmmakers there. And I'm like, 
And then I no, I want to go back to I want to go back to hanging out with the English guys. <laughs> I well, and because I, I think I always I enjoyed the filmmakers. I mean, they knew film so well. Like they they were diehard into all of these different genres, and and they had watched. I at the time for some reason a lot of them were into black exploitation films, which I didn't realize was. Like I had never even seen them and I got to college and I was like, there's this whole genre I don't know anything about. But it was a lot of them were looking for like the most obscure things that they could one up somebody else on. They weren't looking at it as a, a bonding thing. They were looking at it as I, I need to prove my credentials of how much more I know about this filmmaking than you do. Um, yeah. Whereas I, so I, I always appreciate people who are if if you can bring in another diverse set of knowledge that has nothing to do with the medium that you're actually in um that i think it really can enrich that and i i even there's one point i, I took a i took a dance class um because it's liberal arts education. It's what you do. If you have a couple of extra credits, you take a dance class. And I, I did a, a, like a free write for an assignment for this dance class. And the instructor afterwards was like, Oh, this is, this is you, you have what it takes to make art. And I was like, I, I'm a horrible, horrible dancer. <laughs> and there's, I'm not able to follow any of these guys steps, but I think that there's something that there was a, uh, passion is not the right word, but there, there's something, the mentality to create can be applied to any medium that you settle on for most people. Um, so if I can at least be well read or have some, some good philosophy behind me, yeah. then I can choose where I go from there. And in the same way, I mean, we've, we've talked a lot with i i think the natural world really has played such an important part in both of our recent work absolutely um that i would assume you would get just as much out of going on a hike or or being able to go out and record some oh yeah river falling over yeah. rapids kind of thing <laughs> I, I i feel like that that even if you don't end up using the recording yeah that that influences what you're composing more so than if you were to, you know, just listen to, uh, you know, every uh, score that you could possibly get your hands on, but instead choosing something that's completely unrelated to the scores. Yeah. I mean, it's finding that like common thread between just like the uh, emotional effects of a sound right a musical sound a natural sound they both have this same thing running through them but that you know it's hard i guess it's hard to fit that in a curriculum right and like that's it'd be a great class it'd be awesome i didn't get to take it <laughs> <laughs> wish i did i'm curious kind of about your creative process and how that interacts with 
I used the term like day job before, but like how does your kind of creative process fall in line with the other things that you have to do to, uh, for example, feed yourself or, or whatever, whatever else you've got going on? I've got a day job. It does make it so that the time that's available for for my music is like very precious and has to be used pretty pretty efficiently, right? But some of these ideas, like Dan mentioned, finding things in the natural world to use, um, a lot of that came from sort of my second job, which is performing in other people's bands, right? Which is giving me a lot of opportunities to to travel and do some touring. And I started, you know, finding time to sort of like find sounds and find new ways to explore ideas about music while I'm just like waiting at a gas station. You know, there's a lot of waiting and walking around. And and I think it was just, you know, if you have, if you feel like you have to do this thing, pursue these thoughts, you you find your way to make that time for it, especially if you don't have as much of it. And that's actually, I think, been very helpful because sometimes if I have two or three days, I may I don't find I use the time as efficiently as if it's like I've got half a day to make something happen. Right. Yeah. It's interesting uh, that term, like saying efficient, using yeah. my time efficiently, yeah. and that's kind of. Uh, the artist's version of like, if you won the lottery, what would you do? Like if you had all the time in the world yeah. to put towards your creative process, like how do you think that would impact what you do? And it's interesting that you say like, I find I don't use it efficiently because that, that is often my issue. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I have four days to work on something. I'm, I'm just not going to do it. <laughs> yeah. Day three, you know. <laughs> like, um, but I, I think uh, you, you kind of are just going through ideas a little quicker when you have less time to make it happen. Mm -hmm. The film Dan had me score, I feel like I had more time for that than I would in a lot of situations, right? Where I've gotten stuff that needed music, mm -hmm. but the deadline was in a few weeks or something, right? And Dan didn't give me a deadline. <laughs> so, you know, I had limited time because of uh, the other work I do, but I also was able to like put that time in and at the end say, that's not it. I need to do something else. So in that case, having more time was helpful. But I think still not having all day, every day available to me makes me work better, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. Well, with, with that film, what ended up happening because there wasn't, a clear-cut deadline you you did finish a version of it but then you were also able to get i think there were three or four other musicians yeah. on that one yeah that you were able to give them music and say all right record this and get it back yeah. to me and then as oh now we have the violin piece we can plug that in we have the harp piece you can plug that in um so i think I mean, it, it definitely grew organically to being because even that, I mean, that film itself was three years of shooting, but it was, I mean, there were periods of time where it was, you know, there might be one shot every month or something like that. Um, and it had to kind of develop to a point 
where I, I actually even reshot certain things specifically knowing that you were going to be scoring it and letting that process kind of keep developing over time rather than I, it wouldn't have had like that, that piece would not have happened in anything resembling that form. If it had been, all right, we got, uh, we got one week, <laughs> we're going to Vancouver. We're shooting yeah. this film. We got the crew, we got the craft services. Yeah. Everybody's lined up. Yeah. Let's do this thing. But instead when I had all the time in the world before the farm, before I was married, before I had a kid, before I had uh, more time consuming jobs and whatever, there was all the time in the world. And I, I was extremely productive, but it was very intellectual, very self-indulgent for the most part. But <laughs> a lot of it was these very complete package sort of pieces. And... I think especially with the photography where I, I was able to get to that finish line fairly quick and have like a nice thing to throw up on the wall. Um, and that's great. But what's happened now after stepping away from making any kind of art for years that now I'm on the farm or even I've worked for years uh, doing tree work so it's just literally just the the earmuffs on. I can't hear anything. Just feeding stuff into a chipper or running a chainsaw for you know eight hours a day, um, or doing tile work uh, or other like contract work where it's it's fairly manual labor or the farm work where it's repetitive, where I'm you know weeding a two hundred foot bed of carrots and you're going through individually picking out things for you know an entire day i've been able to really spend the time thinking things through and planning things out as far as what i'm planning to shoot but also thinking through the ideas behind it and letting them just naturally organically develop without it being uh, oh, I, I read this uh, this Althusser and now I have this idea and now I'm going to do this series about the uh, state apparatus and then da, 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 and done. Um, and I submit my project to whoever rather than thinking of it in that purely like academic sense. I think I, I needed to switch to being slower, but also having it be more of a human expression rather than like this is not just a uh something i'm turning into a professor like this is something that i'm needing to make for my own needing to make this thing yeah. and i don't think i had like i never had the, the 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 art therapy idea back in college or in my 20s but i think now it's definitely gotten to that point where it's like no i i need to i i'm totally fine with if you give me uh endless amount of time i will gladly sit there and and do the the felting or the clay making or the whatever uh tactile thing because now it's it's definitely become much more of uh a, a, a there's a therapy part to it but it's also just a general there's more of a need there um, that I don't think was there previously.
Yeah, and it it needs that element, right? Because there's like, if you if you don't need to do it and you don't enjoy doing it, there really isn't. Why are you doing it? Right. Right. <laughs> like it's it's hard. Mm-hmm. Um, but that that doesn't matter as much when it's something that you just love to do. Yeah, and I I think there's a really specific type of com. I don't know if confidence is the right word, but confidence in. Like, I need to make this, so I'm going to make it, and I will use the time I have to make it, (laughs) Um, as opposed to maybe parsing over something or thinking back and forth, like, ah, it does, I don't know, if other people want to see that or if if other people want to look at that or listen to that or whatever, but, uh, like, really beautiful confidence that comes from, I need to make it so it's going to get made because it doesn't (laughs) doesn't really matter, right? Like, as it comes out, it comes out. And I think kind of touching on that point of efficiency that you mentioned and how you use your time and if you had more time, do you feel that there are um, either has been stuff or is currently stuff out there that you've made that you look back on and say, oh, if I had more time, it would look differently. Or if I'd use my time differently, this project might look Mm -hmm. different. And it doesn't have to be something you dislike, but just that idea of like, there's something out there that I would, I could change or I would alter or whatever maybe 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 not but i mean there, yeah there's always a uh, early work that was exploratory figuring out the techniques and so i a lot of it and and it can be a dangerous pit to fall into but a lot of it's been process over product and that's not always a great thing <laughs> but i think especially early on but the even more recently, it's very rare that I can match precisely what I have in my head because I'm not that skilled. I don't, I don't think there's necessarily a regret at at least making the effort, but also like getting as close to that finished product. I think more recently, the deadline of this show we're putting on the show so it 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 really there were you know there's been a a significant amount of time where it's been kind of getting as close as possible to a specific idea and if it doesn't come to fruition then using what was learned and moving on to the next piece and then developing that and being able to choose which one was a better sequence for the film and go from there in terms of your, like you put out an album Mm -hmm. two years ago. Yeah. When you put that out, like now, two years later, do you, do you listen to that and say, ah, (laughs) I need, I need to real go. I need to go back and tweak this. And I need to, this, this needs to be moved over here. Or I mean, yeah, I kind of, I, I kind of wish, I almost wish I did more of that. Right. Cause sometimes I revisit old albums and I, I'm just like, I don't know how I did that whether it's a technique or the way it was written, right? And I think so much of that has to do with just the circumstances of what's available and uh, what, you know, how, how fiercely I am chasing it down. So, you know, sort of going back to what, what we were talking about earlier with process, like I think if you had to make the same film, but you were going to Vancouver and you only had one week, 
it would have come out differently, yeah. right? It wouldn't be the same, but you would have found your way. And so I, I, you know, I listened to that album compared to the album before it, compared to the album now, and they're all just sort of a product of like where I'm at, what I'm doing, and how I'm doing it. Um, and it probably would serve me better if I was able to listen to it and be like, I shouldn't do that again, right? <laughs> but that's just not not where I'm at. I think I just keep rolling. Well, how much of your composition is actually? I mean on paper like do you have do you have actual pages of music out that you're like oh well i i I have this folio that i i wrote for this album and i can go back and look at the music that i wrote down or i know there's a certain amount of improvisation yeah there's a decent amount and uh you know so so for example the album that came out the ep maybe four years ago or three years ago close keeping was one that was written after there was a burglary at my house and they stole my laptop. Yeah. And I didn't have money for any another one, right? So I ended up being given a cassette recorder and a laptop that wasn't good enough to record, but it could play video. So I started downloading videos and I would record music for those videos onto cassettes. Like I would have like my finger on the play button on the computer and one on the cassette. And this was like 2013, like it's nonsense to be working like that. (laughs) But you know, that ended up becoming an album, right? That I could never make the, if, if, I, if there was any other change in that history, you know, it could never exist again. And so nothing's written down for that album because that wasn't part of the process. But like the album that came out two years ago, there were some where I was trying to like spend a part of my day playing the piano. And then maybe I would write a melody on the piano. So I'd write it on paper and then I'd figure out what instrument could play that instead of me. And, you know, for your movie, some parts were written. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because they sort of similar where I might just play it on a piano just because I wasn't sure the direction yet. Because a lot of it's so densely layered. Yeah. That my assumption is that that comes about in the process. I mean, yeah, I I understand. Like, so if if there's a specific tune, you can figure out the tune. apply to that. But when it comes to I have this this drone layer underneath and then i'm building on top of that that i I guess that's why i was i was the idea of like there there can't really be like a a, the sheet music that you're going to buy at the store kind of thing definitely not yeah and they're definitely you know it's not like a, a score or like a big written score but they may start with some sort some melody or idea sort of mapped out and written down and just sort of looking at like, well, I'm doing this thing repeated. So like maybe that thing can be in the bass at this part or, you know, but not, not all of my work has been, been that way. It's because the, the next album is really improv pieces that I did because I couldn't play with anyone else, right? Like anyone else, I was by myself. So I was just improvising and trying to find songs in that. None of that's written. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, because that's, I mean, that kind of leads into also when you asked about as far as how we met, how we began collaborating, 
was also one of the one of the pieces on close mm-hmm. keeping yeah. is year long storm mm-hmm. which was basically rescored the trailer for catabasis it was basically me getting an email out of the blue uh <laughs> seven years ago eight years ago yeah. seven years i think we it was around the time that we found out that natalie was pregnant so it was it was around the same point and it was basically like hey i i rescored your thing i yeah. hope you like it Don't that, hate me. <laughs> <laughs> well that was my thing for a while i would download videos that were already done off of vimeo and i would write a new score a lot of times i'd send it to the director <laughs> afterwards for no other reason than to just like interact with them you know and a lot of people ignored me i had people write back who were just like i don't know how to react to this (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah not everyone loved it but it's not i didn't put it out i just sent it to them but luckily dan was into it (laughs) yeah well i and i also think it was at that was like at a point where the idea of me the the idea of making anything artistic at that point that was that was i i think and we had just moved and it was like the we moved we had to move our entire house possessions whatever like basically four times within like a year and a half period and so it was just again and again and again and it so there, there was a that was around the same time that I, I yeah there was no artistic output of any kind on my part. So then to get that where it's like oh he made this thing <laughs> that it I mean it's flattering on some level, but it, but it also it um it it gave a new life to something that I hadn't touched in you know three or four years at that point, and then when you put out the rest of the album or ep that was when we initially were talking about my wanting to do more specific songs off of that album and only one of them actually turned into another short film Mm -hmm. but then that kind of laid the groundwork then for when he put out more music then i jumped on when he was doing the next album and did a piece for that and went from there with yeah. you scoring me yeah it's a back and forth steady steady back and forth but it <laughs> it's it's created some some interesting things right like my my next dp wouldn't exist without the movie because it was written to the movie and you know some of the pieces you made probably wouldn't have happened no no and i i think i that was one of the biggest things with going into this show, but also just in general, the collaboration is having them be equal parts of a product that EP can exist without them. Like you don't have to see the movie and you don't have to be at the show. You don't have to do anything like that. That is a separate piece of music Mm -hmm. that functions on its own and has already had, a good reception even from the little bit that you put out very lucky yeah which is great you got got on some playlists already it's very nice (laughs) but i and i think that that has always been a big goal of mine it especially from with desert piano as well but the idea of having 
it be an equal parts that it's not it's not me making a music video that serves to like i'm not doing it to promote your music kind of thing as a that i'm gonna put this on youtube yeah. and we're gonna yeah. go viral and i don't think the scores aren't just like background music that i can ignore when i'm watching a movie because i'm listening to the dialogue and i really care yeah. more about the story but, but i think i think it is important that it's it's the collaborative thing because the collaborative thing for years yeah especially with the photography like nobody was ever around when i was doing the photography mainly because i was naked but it was it, in general it was just me in i had like a either a basement or attic or like weird shed or something that i could make this photograph in i built a set i made a photograph i shot it nobody was in there nobody was in the dark room with me when i'm printing it like it was just completely me yeah so now figuring out how to not control every single bit of the process and being able to hand it off to you. It's been an amazing experience mainly because you have the talent that, (laughs) that I can hand it off to you. And I, I know there's a shared aesthetic. I mean, I, I give you a lot of explanation, and a lot of the philosophy, a lot of the the storytelling that's involved, and I can ramble about what ideas I have. But in reality, when you come back with the music each time, it's been like, yeah, I, yeah, I mean, I, I we're <laughs> we're good. I don't, I, I have, I have no notes. I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I, this is just a check mark. We're we're solid. So when we release this, this is great. And I, I think that's that's been. Um, that's been an amazing experience. I'm lucky to have that trust. Thank you. Dude, <laughs> gladly. Um, but that, it's sort of what I was talking about earlier with, uh, you know, I, I, I want to do this stuff with other people. I want to see what happens to it with somebody else. I know me. I'm with me all day. I'm sick of me. Like, what, <laughs> what's me with you and what comes out of that? Yeah. Um, and the, the things we've made i really like so it's a good thing (laughs) it's it's good i well and because there have been moments i it's happening right now where you you haven't seen the last film yet no i have no idea (laughs) 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 so i i mean you basically have seen there's 45 seconds of footage from the new film that you've seen 45 seconds (laughs) i i think it's it's like he has no notes yeah (laughs) (laughs) because i think it's a 10 minute piece at least. Okay. I, I think it's 10, 10 and, but uh, we'll see. Yeah. Because this will uh, make exciting radio. This is, we're doing this one at the show. Yeah. This oh, is, sick. Yeah. No, this is the one that, so, <laughs> so I have a solo piece from him that I think the solo piece is eight minutes. Did he it's long. Eight minutes. It's, it's one of my longer one. ones. Yeah, yeah it is. It's it great, is. Great. <laughs> I got to pick them longer. I want, I want the, the next one album, one track. That's what I want. I Next do, album. I feel lucky that very often the notes I get from people when I send songs is like, make them longer. It's like, oh, cool. Yes. And I haven't, good. I have not given that to anyone yet. <laughs> I haven't given those long pieces to anyone yet, but this is, this one's longer. <laughs> this one's pretty yeah. long. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it's either six or eight <laughs> minutes. I think it's eight minutes, but yeah, 
there's a repeating mm-hmm. sequence of I, I think it's five notes. Yeah, it varies a little yeah. bit. So I'm basically editing the current piece to that track that he can play solo, and in theory, he already knows how to play it. So I can just hand him yeah. the movie and he can say oh i already know this song and then he can play it live somehow um but then that one's also developing because now with adding the vocal stuff might be added to that yeah but it's it's yeah it might get more complex and that you know that's fun because it it ends up it's like really playing with with it you know because there there are scenarios where things can get so locked in that like the only thing you can really hope for is that it works right but it's not you can't elevate it beyond that well you know with this one it is a song that's already written and i i can play it but now once i get the visual it's like well how do i lift the visual how does that change the music and uh it can it can be sort not performance by performance like i'm making it up but like you know, how does the room affect this? How does the crowd affect this? And how do I remain true to the spirit of the visual in that scenario? And that's really exciting to me. Well, I want to make sure we give proper emphasis and kind of uh, boil down to all of these general things that we've been talking about. But this film project performance music compilation that we've been alluding to (laughs) uh, is titled the forest primeval and it's a project that alex and i have been working on in some form for a few years now and will be so a premiere at the ice house first friday february so february 3rd the combination of film that we've already completed that has a soundtrack that we can just, you know, hit play and show people these films. Some of which there's a few that are available online, but there's still this 18 minute film that nobody's seen basically. Um, So that, that one's going to be kind of the, the tail end of the show. And then this new piece, which is kind of in, in the same series as that final piece, uh, will be beginning the show. And in between, there's some spoken word pieces. There's some live scoring by Alex. And there's also some just live music that he'll be able to play some other songs. Um, and music coordinating with some of the spoken word. Uh, which I also have photography that I haven't released that I was basically shooting specifically for the show that I'll be able to do kind of a slideshow presentation. It's a PowerPoint. No, <laughs> <laughs> but it, it kind of, um, yeah, it all, it all ties together. And then we would also have the, the front room of the ice house will be set up either the front room or the side area or both um, set up as a gallery space that I have some photography that 
uh, coordinates to the films that are going to be shown. Um, even like I've stills from the Katavis's trailer that I, I get, haven't shown since showing them at blind willow bookshop. Yeah. But so there'll be a few of those kind of things. Uh, but there's also the more sculptural pieces with the, the masks, which there are masks that end up in the films and there's masks that are just used for promoting stuff. Um, and then there's some that are planned for the next piece that is started filming last year and kind of got put on hold till next summer. Um, so they're clay masks. So they kind of work as a, a sculptural piece and then able to have the, uh, the gallery set up for people to come and enjoy that and then come into the show and hear some good music and see mm -hmm. some new films. Yeah. Yeah. It's a whole package yeah. deal. It's, it, you know, it's a show, but it, it's, it feels like it's kind of like a gallery that we've turned into a performance in a lot of ways. Cause it's this body of work that's connected and, uh, we're, we're presenting it. <laughs> linearly you know <laughs> what do you anticipate or what do you hope that people take away from this or get out of this experience that you're putting together hopefully is enjoyable that <laughs> it, it, it should be entertaining um, but it's it's interesting because it art especially live music but even like the films should have a live experience element to it that if you're just watching it on your phone it you're not you're not i mean for one thing you're not seeing the whole picture but you're also i mean literally it's cropping it down to a square half the time um which is fine but it's also i mean there's a, a shared experience of being able to go to a location and being around other people and seeing this thing. Um, the other part of it is that it shouldn't be done in isolation. Like it should have some sort of context. If it's a fairly dense uh, intellectual package of, of, of film that there should be some elaboration and something that you can talk through with people more than just saying, oh, here's this uh, obscure idea that I had and you're going to watch it and uh, you're good, right? We're all good. <laughs> when I showed the other film at, uh, at the bookshop um, 10 years ago, that it was enjoyable. And, and when I showed it at Lehigh as well, that both times it wasn't just showing it, it was showing it and then talking about it afterwards like when i showed it at the bookstore i i think i i screened it three times and talked about it after each screening and i mean i had people that were staying through all three screenings and all three discussions because they had like more questions about what was going on symbolically thematically and i think that interaction was just as valuable to me at that point. And I think if people are able to have that level of enjoyment, 
but also the basic level of enjoyment when people see live music is like the the music i've i've always tended to be musician adjacent i think i i slightly envious um like all of my my roommates were always musicians like in in college and afterwards and and i tend to have all of my friends are really talented musically and i think this is probably as close as i'm gonna get to (laughs) doing a uh yeah especially when we talk about like if we would expand this and have other venues that we would do this show it does like it yeah we jokingly talk about going on the road with it but the idea of like it being it's a performance in the same way that you would go to see a band or theatrical experience so it should be i mean it, it should be entertaining yeah i think it's entertaining i hope so we're working on being Absolutely. entertaining we're trying yeah. you know it, um and it, it's not something it doesn't take up the entire night right but it's still like uh when when people like give you their time right for something like that you want to do a good job i think you know we're trying to do a good job (laughs) and i I think uh for me it's like sort of honoring that time for the people in the room and just trying to give some moment where that's sort of like like a little magic right where it's like oh wow like this is uh, you know I'm immersed in this thing they're trying to share. And uh, I hope that comes across in a, in a good way. Well, I'm, I'm sure it will. And I'm very excited to attend. Um, and I was curious. So you both are either from the area or have quite a bit of history in the area. Was there, I mean, you, you could have taken this anywhere and done it. Maybe not anywhere, but <laughs> you could have gone anywhere with it or taken it out of state or whatever. Um, but was there a specific interest or intention in keeping it something local or something based on the venue? Or The music scene just has a lot of people who are, who are so driven and talented and like very giving with what they do um, that I... I don't feel like I run into everywhere. And so it's, it's kind of a cool art community to be a part of. And like, you know, even it would, it would be fun to take it other places. I would, I'd love performing for anybody anywhere, but like, (laughs) I don't, I don't know what the vibe is. Right. But here, here I kind of do. And, and it's a good one. So I'm happy for this to be where we figure this out. <laughs> <laughs> we we're thinking of it kind of in a workshopping idea that, you know, if, if, if it would be something to shop around, it would be probably more gallery ish. It's, it's a, it's a, not a impossible sell, but I think it's a little bit more difficult. sell yeah, without having a little bit more of a track yeah. record for us. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's we have we both have a good basis here. I I also personally I love the idea of that there are people that have known me for several years now only in the farming community <laughs> and 
they haven't really asked me more than like when the date is and when, how much is it, do they buy the tickets at the door? And I'm like, yeah, no, definitely just show up. That'll be, why not? Let's, let's see how this goes. So I, I, I like that. It could be interesting. And maybe they'll stop buying vegetables from me. I don't know, but I'm, I'm hoping it'll be okay. This shouldn't have any reflection on your produce. I hope not. I, I had I had the cards. I have the cards with the grasshopper mask on them. Okay. And I had them out. I've, I only tried it twice at the market. And both times I tried it, I just had them next to the, the register area at the market. And you had a couple of people who I've talked with multiple times and they'll pick them up and be like, oh man, what is this? And then, oh, you're doing this in the off seat. This is great. And then a number of other people that just pick it up and kind of turn it over and they're like, this, this is you? Uh, I'm going to put this back. <laughs> and I walked away. And it, it does create for yeah. some awkward, uh, yeah. awkward exchanges. Well, they don't, that's, they don't that's come fun. to you for that. They come to you for lettuce. I have really good salad mix. <laughs> and they just want really yeah. good salad mix. It's really good salad mix. Yeah. You can have both. You can have both worlds. <laughs> I hope so. That's what I'm, I'm hoping for here. <laughs> Well, I'm I'm very much looking forward to this. And for our listeners, uh, if you are interested in The Forest Primeval, it'll premiere at the Ice House in Bethlehem on February 3rd, 2023. The gallery opens at 7 p.m. with beverages. And the show begins at 8 p.m. with music, video, and words. Tickets are $10 at the door. You can find more information at paas-haus.com. And Dan and Alex, if people would like to find you on the forbidden social media, where can they find you at? You can find my music on Spotify under Sailcloth, S-A-I-L-C-L-O-T-H. And my social media is Sailcloth Sounds because Sailcloth was taken. And my website is sailclothsounds.com. You can find all of my music there. Yeah, for the social media and the website, it's all basically my last name. So for Instagram, it's P-A-A-S underscore H-A-U-S because they don't allow, allow hyphens. And then for the website is the P-A-A-S hyphen H-A-U-S dot com. And then the, actually the farm as well, if you want to check out the farm is Pan's Forest. So it's uh, at P-A-N-S-F-O-R-E-S-T. Well, thank you both so much for your time this evening. And I'm looking forward to your premiere show. Thank you. Thank you. Daniel and Alex, thank you so much for coming on the show this week. Once again, The Forest Primeval will premiere at the Ice House in Bethlehem on February 3rd, 2023. The gallery opens at 7 o'clock with beverages. The show begins at 8 o'clock with music, video, and words. Tickets are $10 at the door. For more info, visit paas-haus.com. And next, we'll let the sounds of sailcloth play us out.